0: Mino Line Media presents Business of the Beat.
1: Hi, I'm Kendra Bracken Ferguson, and I am a founder, brand builder, entrepreneur, and believe in the mantra, carpe diem. I created this podcast, Business of the Beat, through my own experience as a beauty executive to talk about, tell stories and highlight the business of beauty through conversations with beauty and wellness entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs, helping to diversify the industry. This week on Business of the Beast.
0: It's bigger than me. It's bigger than, oh, Helen feels this way or Helen's experiencing this. I'm doing it so that somebody else doesn't have to experience that. And I can a whole new hope when that person goes in the room and the next time when there's someone that looks like me, They think, oh, I'm not gonna think the way I thought last time. That's the goal.
1: Hi everyone, I'm your host, Kendra Bracken Ferguson and welcome to Business of the Beat. Today's guest is Helen Aboa, CEO of Urban Zen. But before we get started, don't forget to follow, rate and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode. And your ratings and reviews mean so much to us. We love to hear from you. All right, everyone. Helen is the Chief Executive Officer of Urban Zen, a design, vision, and philosophy company founded by fashion icon Donna Karen. Urban Zen defines the space where creativity, culture, and collaboration converge with retail, technology, wellness, and social impact. Previously, Helen was a member of the executive team at the Global Luxury Brand, LVMH, Donna Karen International, and Alexander Wang, where she led global merchandising and supply chain. Helen, oh, this has been a long time coming. Welcome to Business of the Beat.
0: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, Kendra.
1: Oh, me too. We literally, it's funny because in COVID time, we're like in this weird time warp, but we haven't seen each other since our Forbes A Toast to Equity panel last year.
0: Yes. Time warp.
1: Yes. But it's funny because we've been so connected. It's like, you know, you feel like you're talking to people all the time. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, I spoke to her yesterday. Meanwhile, it's just like a post on Instagram, right? (laughs)
1: <laughs> exactly, <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> but it's good. It keeps us all connected and seeing each other. So, I'm I'm so excited just talking to you. You are the CEO of Urban Zen and there are we were trying to figure out how many women of color in particular black women are CEOs of major luxury brands and we were having a hard time and you are One of few, if not the only.
0: Yes. Um, Yes, exactly. Which is somewhat remarkable, right? But it's something I hope to see that will be changing in the near future. You know, I always reference these numbers that African-Americans make up 14% of the population, yet like less than 3% of senior managers or executives across all the industries, right? Wow. So... It's as a black female CEO of a luxury retailer, it's normal for me, you know, to be the only black person not just in this executive role, but sometimes even in the room.
1: Yeah. I I have so many questions and similarities in terms of experiencing that and how we move forward and I first just want to start with you. You have such an amazing storied career, this amazing job, husband, three daughters, like it just it's so inspiring and encouraging seeing is believing is becoming and you are that so talk about just your journey and who you are and just helen tell us everything
0: (laughs) yes so first i'm a i'm a nerd right um financial financial economics like i'm i'm a numbers girl i love working with numbers and product and people and i've been very fortunate to have a successful career working in this, in the luxury goods market. So, but I had never, I didn't start here in fashion. I actually started my career in television and film on the producing side, and then by happen chance through a connection, met Donna Karen and some of her executive team, which was the start of my fashion career. And at that time, the organization was owned by LVMH. That's Louis Vuitton Moet, Tennessee, And there I was brought on to manage their executive operations. Sometime after, through a new strategy brought on by LVMH, I was asked to, you know, can you imagine like a financial nerd, asked to sort of oversee the operations and strategy on the creative side, which of course I jumped at because I love a challenge and I love working with creatives. And I'd come from film, but again, if you're from the film industry, you know the producing side is a little different, right? Than the front-facing and and, and the writing and the actors. It's just very different in um, core responsibilities. So I started working on the creative side. That role required me to spend a whole year just learning about product, the makeup product, working at like visiting factories, traveling the world, understanding what consumers wanted from the product. And after having done so, I then moved back into the business unit and was overseeing that. I created the bridge and oversaw the merchandising product development strategies for the organization, which was right within my strong suits because I understood what the business needs were. But I also understood what the creative process was and the creative vision and brand of the organization. Right. I think they felt there was no better person to do that than myself. I agreed, of course. And I went ahead and led the expansion globally of the brand um, through the balancing of both sides of the business. Then uh, sometime after that, I pip- went to a company, another company shortly after realized it wasn't a good fit. I then just stopped to have a baby and <laughs> like you know what now's a good time to stop and have a baby. So I went ahead and did that. And then one of my mentors, um, and I should say this, two of my mentors are Asian American women who have really shifted the trajectory of my career early on. They were not just mentors, but sponsors and guided me along my career. So one of them was at Alexander Wang and she had been brought on to lead the organization. And she said, hey, can you come on board? We have this new strategy and I think that you're the only person that can do this. And it was um, Alexander Wang had just gotten back from running Balenciaga on the creative side. So I went ahead and did that. So that took me away from that, that little over a year of you know mommy life, which by the way, I so needed. Yeah. And I went back into work and I started leading that organization. By the time I left, I was the chief merchandising officer um, and executive vice president there overseeing about 80% of the organization. There I was, again, the merchant, product developer, supply chain leader. And it was the first time that, especially because Alex was so inclusive, right? And the organization was so diverse. It was the first time that I felt like the only person in the room, not because of the organization, but because it was so inclusive. And I felt like, wow, I could be doing more also because of my role, correct? And I started just... Being more conscious about the people around me, what they were strong at, what were they good at, and how can I mentor and sponsor them to grow them in their career, which I was very fortunate to do there. And then shortly after, not shortly after, some years later, Donna Karen, who I've known for a very long time, of course, through my times with her at Donna Karen International, had been for some time trying to get me to come over and um, help expand and you know grow the brand. To new territories. The LVMH, sorry, the Urban Zen brand is both, it's luxury goods, it's home furnishing, it's restaurant partnerships, it's, a, there's a health and wellness aspect to it. So it was really exciting to learn new things as well. So as soon as I started, maybe a few months, not even a few months later, COVID hit. I know. And I thought, oh my God, I just took on this big role. Now it's like, Covid is here. What am I gonna do? Right? I'm like I've and I'm fortunate. I've always been agile, and we had a great team. I it's I can't express enough that without leadership and a board and people around you who make you feel safe and secure in doing your job, um, there was gosh I forgot his name, the CEO of the former CEO of Disney, um, Bob Iger. Right? Uh
1: huh. Yep. In
0: his book, he says his he wouldn't, he credits his mentors because he said they gave him room to fail. Had they not, he would never been the CEO of Disney. And having that space to not feel like, oh my God, if I mess this up, if I do this, my whole world is going to crumble, right? It's my reputation. It's the job. It's the companies, these employees. And then immediately with Don and the board came around and said, hey, look, we're here to help you carry this. And we're going to do this together. But you come to us with your strategy and we're going to support you. We're, we want you to win. And yes. And the incredible board of directors who were said, look, nobody's going to get this hundred percent, right? Because nobody has been here before. Right. And nobody has been in this position before. And at that moment, I immediately just took brain and said, you know what? I got this. We're going to figure this out. And we did, we did right. We, we pivoted, we invested in digital Fortunately, one of our restaurants was able to stay open in the Hamptons, our store, our business there. Actually, this was insane, but it calmed all the lost business in um, L.A., New York. So yeah. we're seeing like, wow, this is what happens when a team gets together. We work together. And by the way, that same confidence and security that the board instilled in me, I went and instilled in my team. Yes. Right. I thought, OK, then if I feel this way, I know they do and they have to feel secure. And I ensured that and we we won and we all won together. So that's a little bit about my journey, sort of where I am now. I know I probably pivoted a bit from your question. No, that it. was
1: perfect. There's This is a conversation, you know, and what comes of it is what is meant to be, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm always like, the question is just here to give us something, but the yeah. way that we can expand it is what's so exciting. And there's so many things about what you said that I think are so important. And I think one of the things, um, because we talk a lot about being a mom and this sense of balance, and you said you were in a position, it didn't work. I'm going to be a mom now. Jeez. And you spent a little over a year, yes. which that's a long time in professional, you know, professional mom life. Mm-hmm. And so what was that transition like for you? Because you went from very powerful, I'm a mom, very hard, in those first two (laughs) months as we know and then moving into a very powerful and demanding job with a founder and a visionary and a creator such as alexander wang which is also demanding and birthing a new position Mm -hmm. while having a real baby at home so what was that like for you from a transition perspective and going into that new role
0: great i mean it was scary because i had just left this amazing company, right? Donna Karen under LVMH to take on this new company, which I immediately found out wasn't the right fit. And knowing, and in no way, by the way, my actually, yes, I am confident I can own that. If I knew I was really good at what I do. And if I wasn't, and I'm intrinsically motivated, right? To succeed. So if I didn't feel like I could do that, um, I wasn't going to s- not do that. And I knew that one of my goals was to have a child. And I thought, why not do this now after speaking with my husband? And just a side note, it is so important to have a supportive partner in life. Like, oh, my God. Before we got married, my goals were clear. His were. And he was just and and he was never he's always just so supportive and wanted me to win and wants me to win. So when I made this decision to stay home and like, let's have a baby, he was like, okay, let's do that. Because clearly, Helen, by the time you've come to me to talk about it, because he knows I'm a, I am overanalyze everything, like, I'm, he's like, <laughs> you, you had
1: the financial model done, the plan, <laughs> the operational schedule of how it was going to happen.
0: He <laughs> was like, it's just easier for me to say yes at this point. <laughs> so we went ahead and had a baby, and it was a hard adjustment going from, you know, look, when you're pregnant, everything's happening inside of you, right? You're not necessarily counting the milestones or controlling everything. You're just hoping, praying you have a healthy baby. You're taking the right actions to do so and preparing uh, more importantly to not only birth a healthy baby, but raise a child that's gonna contribute to the society in a impactful and healthy way. So, and that's a huge responsibility but you don't feel it until like they're in your arms really. Um, and, right? So when when she came, my first Naomi came, I was like, oh my God, what was I thinking? Like, I think I can do anything in the world, but if I can have, like, part of you thinks, wow, if I can birth a child, I can do anything, right? If I can have a baby, my goodness. Like, I I just, I feel uber powerful. At the same time, you're the most vulnerable human now, right? You've never been more vulnerable in my life to think this, you just want to provide the best space and place for your child. In the case of myself, I am a black woman, right? I have, myself have not necessarily experienced like losing a job because of the color of my skin or, but I have been, I've, I've experienced discrimination. I've watched close friends lose roles and resp- jobs and opportunities because of the way that they looked yes. and super competent, extremely talented individuals. And I thought, what can I do? Because yeah, I can provide her a great education. You know, I can, she speaks like Mandarin. Like she's, I can provide her all of that. But what's that if she doesn't have the space to be her full self? Yes. And how am I going to provide that space for her? So at that point, it's actually when I started thinking about what ways do I want to be impactful in the work that I do? Because I knew after I had her, by the way, that being a stay-at-home mom was not my future. Like, I just knew that I want to be a mom, but I also want to kill it in the business world, right? I still want to build businesses, scale them. Um, mentor, lead others. I knew that that was really important to me. So I think within six months of having her, I thought, okay, now it's time to start getting back. Mm -hmm. But when I was going back, I was very conscious about the difference I wanted to make. And not only for her life, but in others' lives. And that sometimes I thought that it would look one way. I remember my first encounter at um, Alexander Wang, one of my direct reports came to me and she said, she was so nervous. She asked for a meeting. And she said, um Helen, I have to tell you something. And I thought, oh God, she's such a high performer. Please tell me she's not resigning. And she goes, you know, that's your worst nightmare when they ask you, can we talk? Uh-huh. I, and she said, I'm pregnant. And there was so much fear. And, and now I'll get emotional. There was so much fear. And I thought, why are you like, are you okay? You should be happy. And she said, well, you know, I know, but that means I have to take time off and it's going to affect the business. People are going to get upset. And I just don't, you know, I don't want to lose my this this job. And I thought, first and foremost, that will never happen. Not under my watch, for sure. Like, be happy. Congratulations. Enjoy this. And it broke my heart to think that she probably spent the whole weekend thinking about how I'm going to tell my boss this, right? Because I was new at the time. She had told me within a couple months of my starting. And she happened to be Jewish, Um and Orthodox. And so she celebrated a lot of these holidays. She said, it's also going to be very difficult because I'm taking Matt leave, but I also have holidays in which I can't work. And this is going to be problematic. And I said, you have deliverables, deliver those. Wow. Deliver them. You, your faith isn't going to compromise your deliverables. It's not like, this is who you embrace being a mom, embrace being Jewish, embrace being who you are, While being a leader to your people and make sure you have the right people around you who are going to help you do that, but also extend them that same measure, right? Yes. And I knew that there would be no way I would have responded that way, like prior to having my firstborn, because I understood the same fears and I understood the feeling of feeling insecure or not having that support or what being something meant to someone else, right? Right. Um, she also doesn't know that my ethnicity is actually Ethiopian Jewish. So, but I'm a pract- I'm converted to Christianity and people don't, when they see me, they don't look at me and go, Oh, that's a Jewish woman. Right. So I've heard and seen how people can behave. And I wasn't going to, I just, I knew I had a role to play and I w- was going to make sure that I was playing the right one because it's who I am and it's who she should be. And she should be the others. But again, I say that all because of my I, the experience I had by having my firstborn.
1: Oh, my gosh, that that was just like such an emotional moment um, to think about it, because after having my daughter, I made big decisions in my first company. And it was really the catalyst for me to say, even though I had co-founded this amazing company and we were growing and we had taken an investment that it was I had outgrown it. And I wouldn't have come to that in a similar way that you mentioned unless I had my daughter yes. because it just gave me such a new found um, just resolve of how I wanted to be, how I wanted to show up myself as a leader, myself as a co-founder, as a team player. And I also decided that I wouldn't be in a situation where I had another co-founder or partner or a boss mm-hmm. um, who didn't have a child yes. and be the... It changes you in such a way from compassion, from grace and care. And that's not to say, because that's not the path for everybody. You, you can be a phenomenal, empathetic person and not have a child. But for me, I really found Absolutely. that that was an important center place. So I appreciate Absolutely. you sharing that. And I think one of the things, too, that I want to touch on is, and you've said it in a few different ways, but the people around you, um, without leadership, you couldn't do it you talked about being able to carry it forward and being successful because you have this amazing board. And you also talked about your two mentors. So when we think about mentors and sponsors and building this team, what advice do you have for other leaders, founders, building teams to make sure that they can instill this sense of we're in it together with either getting it from a mentor, from a sponsor or from a board or people that they have to hire?
0: Oh, so good. That's such a good question. You know, for me, they were instrumental in providing me the career and professional advice that I needed, right? And I would say to anybody who's looking to be an ally or assist or mentor or sponsor someone, it's that people do need help further developing and mapping out a career path that they want for themselves, right? We all have a tendency. We know what we want. We just don't know how to get there, And that's where mentors and sponsors can come in and say, okay, look, this is actually how, let's map that together, right? This is the development that you need to undertake to get there, be prepared for it. But they didn't just stop there because it's one thing. Look, any one of us can find somebody who can give us that advice as well, but they also took the next step of advocating for me to get the promotions, raises, uh, even help me land jobs like in other companies because they were vested And for people who are looking to be allies and to be those mentors, you have to be vested. And if you're not vested, then I think it's the second step because you've given someone maybe the tools, right? Or the map, but they probably don't have the vehicle to get there. And you got to help by being that vehicle to get there, whether that's helping someone raise funds. Because recently somebody said to me, oh, somebody told me I can go here to raise funds for my business. And I said, okay, but how are you going to get through that door? Right? Like, who's going to make that introduction to you? And not only that introduction for you, but who's going to then speak about you in such a way that that person's going to want to open the door to speak for you or speak to you. So, and then for those who are looking for, the, you know, the mentors, I always say, like, it's not, not every mentor is going to be the CEO of your company. Right? In my case, my immediate direct reports, sometimes are a level or two, you know, we've they vary, but in general, it's these building blocks. So look for that person who probably is like your manager, right? One step ahead of you, because you're just trying to get to the next step. If you're trying to go from A to Z overnight, that's a problem. And there's no mentor big enough who's going to help you get there responsibly. Look for those people who can get you to that next step, um, who are accessible to give that advice and guidance. And that's, it's really, I can't stress how important it is because they were, critical to my career. I can get emotional about it just because they were the ones when I was stuck were like, look, you're stuck, not because there's this glass ceiling, you're stuck because you need to develop in this area, right? Um, In some cases, they were like, oh, the reason that you're stuck is because you haven't had an opportunity like this. So one of them specifically, she said, she called me the day before a trip for market in Italy, in Milan, and she said, I can't go. Can you go? It's tomorrow. It's going to require that you be in Milan for 10 days. Meanwhile, I had a trip scheduled shortly after to be in Hong Kong for a couple of weeks. But this was going to be front facing, leading the organization and being the face to all our international partners, right? And she said, You're ready. Now you can go. I can't even tell you. I mean, first, I was worried about where I was going to get my hair done because I couldn't find no one could my hair in Milan. So I thought, oh, my God, I got to find a salon here. But, of course, now I got to take on this, this amazing um, opportunity. I didn't want to fail her because I knew what she had riding on her for sending me. Right. There are others she could have sent. But she said the only difference is, Helen, that people assume that others have the ability where they may assume that you wow. don't. And she goes, and because she goes, and she would say, she goes, and I know you can run circles on anybody that works with you. So you're going to go. And that's why I'm picking you. She was like, look, she was a president of the organization. She was going to risk her job for me. She was like, Helen, I am I know that it's in my best interest to send you. That's why you're going. So, yeah, and that's when I say people like mentors and sponsors to think about other ways to give people these opportunities. Because later on in my career, when an opportunity came up, They had asked if I was, uh, there's certain responsibilities that were required. And it's because she sent me on those trips that I was able to take on those roles.
1: Oh my gosh. Like I'm emotional (laughs) hearing this because there's something so profound about having enough confidence to know when you need help and when you need guidance and less ego of, I think I know everything and I can do it. And even when you talk about, you know, from A to B to C, so oftentimes I have people who are like, I want to be here and I want to be there. And it's like you, yes, we all want to aspire big. We want to have that vision, but where are we at right now and how do we get to the next step to get us there? And so I love how you talk about the different people along the way and looking at it step by step, knowing what your big vision is and being able to be confident, but that is so phenomenal and it's it's paramount. And I love how you talk about this notion, how she said like people assume that other people can do it. And she knew that you could do it. And I know that you've you've talked, I've read um your article in fortune.com and you said that as my skin color walks ahead of me, I find myself consistently disrupting stereotypes some may have about Black people. And I was drawn to that quote that you said in this story because less than 24 hours, you're now being pushed into all of these people. And we know some of the connotations and things that have happened to Black people in other countries, that you were put in front to lead your organization. So talk about that statement, how you've addressed it, and also you're clearly overcoming it.
0: Yes, it's it's overcoming it more often than not. And finally, just I got maybe about, I would say a year and a half ago, maybe shortly after actually I wrote that, I said, you know what? Let me think about the positive here. What's great is that they they may come in because we all have our biases, right? Yes. And they may come in and... They may come in and have these biases and these assumptions about me, but what's empowering is when they leave, they don't leave thinking the same way they came in, right? They leave remembering my name and they leave saying, oh, she's X, Y, and Z. And that's empowering. It's empowering. And I hate to think that we have to do that, but that is part of this process. Whether I love what you said earlier when you're uh, talking about the mentors, it's just as I'm a big fan of a process, right? It's embrace the process in our development and growth, right? In our careers, but also embrace this process that we're all undergoing as a country and as a, in a world, right? That, and I have a part to play in it. And it, it's not the part I want to play, right? I don't want to be the one in the room that has to be like, Oh, I have to show them that like, I belong here. And it stinks. But I can only say what you said before we even started recording is, I have to be here because it's bigger than me. It's bigger than, oh, Helen feels this way or Helen's experiencing this. I'm doing it so that somebody else doesn't have to experience that. And I can hold a whole new hope when that person goes in the room and the next time when there's someone that looks like me, they think, oh, I'm not going to think the way I thought last time. That's the goal, right? Some people don't change. Some people do. But I'm more for those who, are, who will change.
1: Oh, my gosh. I... <laughs> It's like, I resonate with you so much. And I used to think, wow, like, why is this continuing to happen to me? I'd be in the boardroom, and I'd be definitely the only black person, a lot of times, seemingly the youngest person, just because of how I looked. And literally you know, older white men asking me to get water for the copies for the meeting, all these things. And it's like, no, actually, I'm the speaker. I'm the presenter. And I completely agree this moment where you see the shift where they're like, oh, she knows what she's talking about. Let me lean in. You can actually see them leaning in yes. to listen. Yes. And so when you talk about that, it really touched me because I had not um, got to the place where you are now, where you talk about the fact that that's part of the process and so I have this really interesting shift as you were talking. I'm like, wow. And you said embrace the process and the growth of our careers. And I think it's so important so that our daughters, you know, we have four between us, like, don't have yes. that same sense. And so if we have to even do it in 2022, because it's actually happened this year again, oh. like, then hopefully we can change that for them, right? So that it's just
0: normal. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. You know, when my daughter, we were looking at schools to send her to, or for to enroll her to. And one gentleman was a director of admissions and we got on well, cause he went to my alma mater, at Columbia, and he's in New York. And we were talking and he said, I said, you know what? They're just, it's not diverse enough. And I go, look, I was there when I was the only black kid in my, my class. Right. And I said, this is 20, like a time, what 2019, I think. And I said, it should be a little more different for her. And unfortunately, but anyway, he said something, which was really interesting. He and his team said, Helen, if you don't start, if Naomi's not the first, then who will be the first? Like we, and he goes, and he said it, cause we at this point we did like, you know, cultivated a, a relationship. And he said, you want it, but you don't want to be the first at it. Like do it. And he goes, and if you do it, then I'll meet you there. And you'll see that by the time the school year starts, you're going to see the numbers that you're looking to see. I wasn't. I don't want to say bothered, but it really just struck a chord in me. And I thought, where else in my life am I thinking that way, right? Where else in this am I holding back because I'm trying to protect her, or I'm trying to protect people, or even myself? And there, that's when I started thinking, okay, I got to start embracing this process because I have to be a part of it. Because if it's not me, then who is it going to be? Right? Then who? I love, I don't know. If there's, if there's a fame I love this book of uh, Esther in the yes. Bible and Mordecai says to her, like, how do you not know that you were not born for such a time as this, right? How do we not know that we're here for certain, there's certain things that we have to do. And if we want to build a better society, we all have a role to play and sitting outside and sitting on the sidelines is not really an option.
1: I, and it's so true. And it, as Hard as it is, especially with our kids, it really is the only way to impact change. And to go from you saying, Okay, we're gonna be in this together, you and Naomi, and then they're being 20, like that is a goal. That's the change, that's the impact, because it will triple, it will quadruple, and yes. it will be different. And I think exactly. about my daughter went to this, this summer camp in Santa Monica. We live in LA and she told me that the kids were like how did you get your skin color that way and i was like wait what happened and she was like they were like did you color your skin and i'm like first of all this is santa monica this is 20s we are not like in some place and it was so painful and i wanted to just like pull her out and be like you will not be exposed to that because i had experienced other things when i was younger so it was also the projecting of racist things that had happened to me in Texas, and then now hearing my daughter in 2021 being told this. And so we had a conversation about how to address this, her skin, which came out, girl, you know, in so many other ways. I'll quickly tell her I gave her black girl sunscreen as her sunscreen, in which case told her that it was for special, beautiful, melanated skin. And then she told some other people who didn't look like us that they couldn't use it. So anyways, I digress. But (laughs) (laughs) she was like, this is for, black girl skin and black girl magic. And my mommy told me my skin was special. And I was like, they can use it too. Um, But the whole thing was being able to say to her in the setting of camp, like, let's address how you look and like why it's important and why you're beautiful too. And like sending her back into that camp empowered, right? And then starting to see the diversity shift and it is really hard when it's your children. But I love that, that he said, who will be the first, right? Yes. And it goes back to yes. how we started when I'm like, there's very few of, of you in the CEO roles, yes. but if you don't have the confidence and you say, no, I was put here to do this, I can do it. I will be successful and I'm supported. Then where would we be?
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: And I do want to oh, go I, ahead.
0: No, I'm just, as I hear you speak, I'm just yeah, yeah like,
1: we're aligned. Um, I do want to talk about conscious consumerism because I think Mm -hmm. that, you know, I love Urban Zen. Um, I love Donna Karen. I have, when I was at Ralph Lauren, I had the opportunity to just meet her and just really be immersed in Urban Skin. Actually, one of our, or Urban Zen, sorry, one of our um, employees at Digital Brand Architects, the first agency that I co founded, Uh, was at Urban Skin for really, or Urban Skin, I keep thinking of Urban Skin Rx, one of our founders, Rachel Roth, but I'll correct that. Um, Anyway, so let me back up and say, so anyways, when I was at Ralph Lauren, uh, I had the opportunity of really meeting Donna and being immersed in the world, and then one of our employees from Digital Brand Architects, the first agency I co-founded, went to work at Urban Zen, and so being in the space, it is just Talk about Zen and energy and just positive vibes. And your concept is just so different, right? And so when you're thinking about, I'm going to leave this place to go to another place, this conscious consumerism, it really is the evolution, I think, of retail, of CPG brands, of luxury. So talk about why that connectivity and what Urban Zen stands for, what you stand for, really came together and made it the right place for you.
0: Absolutely. So when Donna started, so Donna founded Urban Zen when she was still at Donna Karen International with LVMH. At the time it was just a foundation. And then she likes to tell a story that people go, well, we're the clothes. So then she launched another fashion line, right? It's at the front and center for her has been purpose. And she said, look, I want people when they're coming here to understand that when you're as a consumer buying something here, the causes that are important to who we are and who we as a brand value and care about, right? And that's that ties back to our foundation and who we support and partner with um, over the last two decades. So it has been, whether it's working with artisans from around the world, whether it is working with artisans in Haiti. I know when um, she learned, she was introduced to Haiti through Bill Clinton and the Clinton Initiative. And then she said, you know what? Let me help like create some economic independence for these individuals. How do I do that? How do I help? And she partnered with Parsons University to do a program there. So that's a lot about, it's real. Our purpose is ingrained in our product. So yes, our, it's a luxury product. It's beautiful. It's fabulous. Love to wear it. Like to sleep on it. Love to eat at the restaurants. But there is a story in every product and there's a purpose in every purchase. So that's at the core of who we are. I love that you're a Ralph Lauren because she and Ralph were working together at Ann Klein a long time ago. Then they both branched out and started their own companies, right? Um, and They're both fabulous uh, icons. So that's the really at the heart of what Urban Zen is. It is about, look, I don't like to greenwash sustainability. I hate when people do that and say, oh, we're sustainable. And meanwhile, you're like, no, you're not. But what we do think of when Donna thinks of how she's always been sustainable in her her world is that, or in our world, I should say, because it's Urban Zen, is that our products are long lasted We care about quality. We care about who's making the product, and we care about how long that product will last. Um, there should be nothing that comes from Urban Zen that you can't have 10 years from now or 15 years from now. It's not, we care about the environment. We care about the people making the product, very much so. And we're conscious of every step along the way, knowing that we're not perfect, we're working towards that perfection right so that and that is the goal as us as humans but also as as an organization
1: i love this notion of economic independence it's really for me um at the end of last year i launched our brain trust founders studio and it was really about creating economic opportunities pathways for growth Mm -hmm. like independence generational wealth generational inheritance all of these things in particular for black media and wellness founders and that's what I've loved about, and even as you're talking through it, um, Urban Zen is so rooted in that from the very beginning. And you and I both have, you know, we talk about Ralph and Donna working for Ralph Lauren and with David Lauren and with Ralph was such um, a phenomenal experience. It has truly shaped my love for founders because between <laughs> Ralph and Donna, they live, breathe with purpose and intentionality of their brands. And they are the mark of founder led companies who are so much deeper than the products themselves. And so I love Mm -hmm. how you talk about that. And even when you think about the audience that you serve through economic independence, I mean, you, you mentioned Haiti, you mentioned Italy, Saudi Arabia. I know you spent time there Mm -hmm. um, and the lessons that you brought back, how, does, I guess, the global landscape of what you're doing and the people that you're serving in underrepresented communities, how does that now play into the equitable and diverse nature of your company? Because I feel like you guys were all, we were rooted in that, but so many companies are trying to figure out like, what makes my organization equitable and diverse? And I feel like you've kind of figured it out. how have all of those experiences global um, travel that you've done the sense of your founder really play into that notion
0: yes so we we continue to work with partners all over the world and then you know during the pandemic we realized there was a lot to be And I'll, i'm gonna quote sean penn on this because we've you know done some things with them in core and it's that we also have our own backyard right? All of a sudden, we realized with George Floyd's death, murder, the social landscape, the economic disparities that we were seeing, and everything that was sort of bubbling up that's always been there. And we realized, wow, there's a lot of work to be done in our own backyard, in our own home here in New York or in America. By the way, we were always doing work with uh, New York factories as well. And we thought, how can we now work and do this with our domestic landscape. So that was something that was really important to us and to, to tap into and how what vendors and suppliers we can work with here to just stimulate our economy. And the other aspect for us was how do we stop for a second and not let it be about us? What can we do less about us anymore? Forget about us. Let's not talk about us. Let's not put out all these statements about us. What can we actually do? And I took time as any nerd would, and I was like, okay, look at the stats and we said African Americans. We have the spending power, yep. right? And I say we because I'm black. Um about it's a, this our spending power is about $1.4 trillion. I'd say our consumer expenditure is what? 835 thirtieth bill, 30-ish billion-ish, right? And that's more purchasing power than most developed countries. That is insane. If you look at Switzerland and some of these countries, that is more than like most developed countries, there's opportunity there. So here we are, and there are luxury brands, but there are also black luxury brands, right? Who have a large opportunity for economic independence. And how do we help expand their ability to make whether it's myself from the business side or Donna's from the creative side? What can we do? Whether it's making injunctions to other leaders. Whether it's providing you a space, you, you've seen the Urban Zen space. It is, you know, some people, a lot of, I mean, first of all, any entrepreneur, but especially those who are emerging talent, don't have retail space. They don't have the capital, right? They don't even have, they don't even have the connections. Like a lot of these businesses that we see, when you hear these wonderful stories, of these big brands, someone knew someone, right? Or somebody had capital or access to capital and we're looking and saying there's none of that here so how can we do that and yes i can't be your ceo but i can you, i know you can't afford a ceo but how can i help you like what can i guide you and do with you so that that weight is off your shoulders and donna who's saying hey look from a creative space you know whether it's my materials or it's my experience how can i support you And then how can I use my platforms to celebrate you and to highlight you? Um, That was a lot of our focus. And we thought if we're going to do anything right now, yes, we can still work with partners across the globe, which we're reactivating now that things have changed post-COVID or we're entering post-COVID. But in that time period, I'd say we spent a lot of time just working at home. So it wasn't that we were trying to close those channels. They were closed due to the pandemic. But what we did know is, our country was somewhat open and what can we do to help build this economy back, but build it more equitable. And that's what we sort of focused on for some time. Oh
1: my gosh, build it more equitable. That is, it's so powerful when we think about this is where we are and this is where we live and as much support as we can give to others, like how do we look at our home base? And I truly believe, like even when you think about the stats, you know, the reason that I really was so plugged into like even our Brain Trust Founder studio was we know like Black founders, there were more new businesses founded by Black people than any other race than mm-hmm. in any other time. What would you say to female leaders, to women of color? You have three daughters. Like how do they equip themselves to get in these positions, into these roles and to have that confidence?
0: Versus... It's important to note that there's the shifting demographics point to economic power of women of color. Right. Knowledge is power. We it's shifting. And now there's this shift in the demographic shift where entrepreneurs are saying, look, I don't have I don't go to a store and go, oh, my God, I have 15 hair products to pick from. They're are going there's nothing for me here and I'm no longer just going to subscribe to this. So I'm going to make my own. I'm going to create my own beauty brand. I'm going to create my own wellness brand. So it's now is the time is what I would say to those who are thinking about what's the next step. Now is the time there's all this white space and I still see companies shifting in it from a marketing strategy perspective. And I love seeing that. And that's great because that's important for the narrative, but I, from the product perspective and I'm a product merchant, Black people have to be involved from the creation, from the idealization stage. You know, I just did this, um, this masterclass I said, idealization and product development design, like we need to be at that stage. And clearly we're not because we're not finding our product when we get to the stores as often we are now, there are still products out there and thank God, cause um, I definitely use them for my girls, but. For, the, for black women and just people of color, just get out there and just start it because this, there's still white space and nobody can do it better than you can.
1: Oh, get out there and start it. Oh, my gosh. That is yes. that is the message. Now is the time. I'm so I just I love this conversation um, and I could keep going on. But as we close out, nice. um, we always like to to learn from our guests. This is such a fun time because I learn about all the new products that I don't know about. So as we close out, we always like to um, hear about a brand that you're excited about, that you covet. Of course, we love Urban Zen and the work that you're doing there. But if there's any other brands that you want to give a shout out to,
0: you know, I love what 241 Cosmetics is doing. I know the two young women who are refugees and you know starting a, a beauty brand. I love the, the story behind them. The I love It Cosmetics. I'm gonna be honest, the only foundation I like to use is from oh, It Cosmetics. That's so good. Yes, I it's like butter. It's just uh, divine. And it moisturizes my skin all day long. And I feel it when I take it off at night. The other products that I'm really into right now. I, my I, I mean I live, and I know it sounds silly because I should be promoting smaller brands right now, but my app, my iPhone is everything because it's function and fantasy, which by the way is what I think every beauty brand should be because it's we want it for function, right? We want it to do more than just enhance. But my iPhone is now that I've I'm not gonna even tell you what apps I've downloaded because you would think I should have had them a long time ago. But anyway, I live by my iPhone and Okay, you're gonna have to tell me this is my black founder, okay? Is Mile a oh, black yes. founder? Is
1: it Mile or Mael? Which one? Or Mila?
0: Is it Mael or Mile? M-I-E-L-L-E. M-I-E-L-L-E. Yes.
1: yes, that's Monique Rodriguez. Oh, yes, good. Yes, yes, and she's amazing because she also just um, has like a billion dollar valuation. She just had one of the largest transactions in the beauty industry.
0: Yes. No way. Yeah. That's
1: an excellent.
0: Good for oh, her. Okay.
1: My L, okay. It's um the spray is so good for my daughter's hair. Yeah. Yes.
0: Oh my everything. And then Camille oh, Rose. Yes.
1: Camille Rose is so great.
0: <laughs> and of course, and then my It Cosmetics is my foundation and my makeup remover is just those. I would say those are the three. Those are the big three. Is Camille Rose a yes. black founder? Yes,
1: she is. Yeah. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. You're like yes, "Yes, I I love it. So thank you. Oh my gosh, it's so good to hear about new products, products that I already use and that I'm a fan of. And you know, it's funny we have never heard iPhone. And I completely agree with you when you talk about function and fantasy. So thank you for broadening all of our horizons. I have to tell my Candace because she hasn't switched over to us yet. So. This is a good one for her to know about, Um, but I'm excited and I just, I appreciate you. You know, now is the time. This conversation has really, it's spoken to me. It's touched me so much and there's so much alignment. I'm excited for what we can do together. I'm excited for your work, for your leadership, for us all to, to see you in this position. And it's kind of like what I said in the beginning, seeing is believing is becoming. So thank you, Helen, for all that you do to support in your leadership.
0: And thank you, Kendra.
1: And every week I share an influencer I'm checking out. And thanks to Helen, make sure to follow 241 Cosmetics. That is the number two, the number four, the number one and cosmetics, 241 Cosmetics. And as always, I want to leave you with one thing from today's guest. And Helen shared with us that now is the time to get out there and to just start it. So how will you get out there? How will you start? How will you move forward? Always remembering that now is the time. And with that, Follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and we love to hear from you. Leave a five-star rating and a review. Until next week.
0: Business of the Beat is hosted by Kendra Bracken Ferguson. Assistant producer Jenny Salk. Associate producer Ariel Mancebo. Executive producer Kendra Bracken Ferguson. Edited by Fish Mar Creative. Executive producer Ken Johnson. Find the Business of the Beat podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn odyssey amazon music or where you get your podcast and on ig at business of the beat business of the beat is a mean old line media production waiting on a tax return hopefully it ends up in your hands fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30 percent in 2023 if you're in a bind this tax season lifelock can help